had the FTP test go. I guess that's about it. Ah, uh, well, I it's it, it's funny. The last time, you know how it measures. Uh, I used I used my CompuTrainer for it. So the last time I did one yeah. was um, two months ago. So my normalized power two months ago was two fifty point nine. Today it was two fifty point four. So. Just that's not bad considering everything. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. So uh, that's that's what it is. So you multiply that by 0.95, and I guess that's your FTP, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, okay. I got numbers to work with now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hey, it went it went well. Usually when I try and do 20 minutes, it never goes well. Oh, the, the <laughs> I always go way too hard. So. Yeah. I just, you know, for the first five minutes, it's like I just throw away the time. It's just to kind of find my zone and what I'm capable of. And then, you know, minute six, you kind of find where you are. Then you hold it to minute 10 and you, you kind of make some decisions. <laughs> And welcome again to another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. As we continue our series of triathletes in basements, riding trainers, uh, we've traveled all across uh, Canada. We've been to Carp, Ontario, Calgary, Alberta, uh, Manitoba, and now we're going to Penticton, British Columbia, and we're speaking with our good friend Jeff Simons. Jeff, welcome back to FitSpeak. Thanks, it's great to be back. Well, under such uh, bizarre, you know, circumstances, how have you been? I mean, it's been a while since we've chatted on the podcast. Uh, so many stories to tell. Uh, yeah, it's a, lot, a lot has happened. I was trying to think back to uh, to when we last talked and, and what was going on then. But uh, yeah, and I mean, even like the past month and a half, I'm sure for everyone, there's it feels like, you know, it feels like so much has happened and that was so long ago that... yeah. It was a brand new world. So one of the things I did want to talk to you about was your season last year or your hopes for a season last year because it was cut a little bit short. So for the folks who don't know, tell us about that unfortunate fall you had last year. Pretty much right as um, (laughs) you start racing. I think I'd done just a short little uh, sprint race up in Kelowna and um, the next week I was... uh, it had been a long, a long week of stop and training. I was pretty tired, and I just went out for an easy cruise on uh, the rail trail here at the KBR. Yeah, I was going over, coming back, and I had a bit of a tailwind, and it's a little bit of like a 1% grade, I, and I was going faster than I thought, and I went over this bump, and it kind of turned into a jump. And I'm not a great mountain biker, so mm-hmm. kind of launched me, and I kind of had one of those whoa moments where you're, kind of in the air and, and realized you're uh, in way over your head. Uh-oh. And I uh, did what's not you're not supposed to do, leaned a bit forward, kind of hit the front wheel of the, mountain, or of, of the bike, and then kind of rolled over and ended up uh, breaking my collarbone. Break- oh. And it was one of those where you kind of get out of it and you're like, you know, you have the crash and you kind of roll up and you, you kind of stand up and you're like, wow, that was really intense. Can't yeah. believe I didn't get more hurt than that. And uh-huh. then... You kind of like feel your 
feel around. I felt the collar going and I could feel it like, uh, you know, it's like up in a point. I like one of those like house or uh, ski condos. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not good. Oh, so, man. Uh, so, so, yeah. Broken collar. No, not a lot of fun. No. So how did you manage to make it back home? Uh, well, luckily, like this little jump that had been built is right, um, uh, right by a road. And so I didn't even look at the bike. I just went. Yeah, I knew it was on in the middle of the road. I just went and sat on a rock, and I made one of those phone calls, and I uh, called my parents, and I was like, it's one of those phone calls where you're like, please pick up. Yes, like, no kidding. Oh. And thankfully, like, second ring, they picked up, uh-huh. and they were able to rip out and get me and, and take me to the hospital. So, Oh, um, man. So that must have been uh, a hell of a road to recovery. So it was a broken collarbone. Any other damage as well? Uh, my rib was pretty banged up. Yeah, it wasn't actually broken, but uh, but it was quite painful um, for quite a while. So, um, yeah, I feel like playing the small violin. If I say, "Oh, just my ribs were sore," but yeah, uh, anyone that's had like a rib injury knows like it's hard to like kind of overstate how much it hurts. They're getting out uh, of bed, right? Like the littlest things that we take for granted when you, you know, even if it's a misplaced rib, I mean, you know, you think the end of the world sitting down to go to the bathroom. It's just, uh, you know, so many things are, are painful when you've got that, right? Oh, absolutely. And like, I don't know. The only thing that isn't painful. Well, I guess it is. But when you're in the hospital, they have some pretty sweet beds, and oh, okay. they're like, "Oh yeah, I feel pretty good." And then as soon as you leave there, you're like, you kind of take it for granted, and then everything hurts, right? But, um, but yeah. So, but unfortunately, and I guess I had to get a surgery, which was fortunate in some ways that they were able to uh, put a plate in there and kind of make sure it was going to heal straight mm-hmm. and uh, long term would be good. Uh, but I kind of waited the recommended time and then some, and I ended up snapping uh, one of the screws in the plate. How did that happen? Uh, just swimming. Oh, wow. I was uh, just in the lake, kind of out with the group, and uh, it was all going good, and then just kind of noticed, oh, this kind of hurts a little bit more, and they kind of felt a little more prominent, and I thought the screw had kind of like backed up a little bit oh. from the plate. But then I uh, ended up getting some x-rays and it had kind of been hurting for a few days and I was still training on it and stuff. And mm-hmm. they sent the x-ray and it was like, uh, yeah, the screw had been snapped. So it was like having kind of loose, sharp metal oh. in your body is a really good thing. So no. they went in, took it out. And I knew when I saw it, I was like, oh, like if a screw snaps on your bike, like it's really hard to get the, that part of the screw out. Oh, so man. I knew that was going to be good. Oh. So they put another one in. Now I got like the deluxe Cadillac model in there, which seems to be working a lot better. Yes. Yeah, so I guess you've gone back and you've been basically pretty much back in the group. How long have you been, I guess we could say, fully functioning and training now? Because that was the accident was in what, April or May of last year? Uh, it was in very, it was in early May. Okay. So I think I had to guess around May 10th, 14th. Kinda, okay. Uh, timeline, and then the I so then it was kind of like okay, uh, collarbones usually take six to eight weeks to heal, and so um, we gave it. I think it was like I think it was twelve weeks. Wow, just to make sure because mm-hmm. it was having a little bit of trouble 
healing up. There's a pretty like just it was, there were multiple black fractures in there and a little floating piece of bone. So it was kind of a complex situation. I really don't know much about the medical system. I'm kind of just regurgitating what I've been told. What you've been but, told, yeah. So yeah, and so it was. It was kind of three months of working hard, hoping that I would get back to some racing in uh, September, or October, and uh, and definitely like hit a really good Ironman in November. About the first week of August was when um, when I I guess reopened up the fracture. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. Then that kind of set it back to where um, it kind of just took it out of the season, and we we looked at maybe something at the end, but yeah, uh, my coach uh, Johnny and I we both kind of or he he thought more than me that um, it would be a frustrating experience just trying to uh, I guess rush the swimming back mm. given the way the last fracture happened so uh-huh. um so yeah so but it is something you can learn i kind of learned from applying it to this year where it's like you're grinding away you're training and uh you just don't know if, if you're going to get back and race or not but kind of do what you can right so yeah well uh one of the things i've noticed is that uh you've developed this uh new passionate relationship with zwift how long have you been on that for jeff uh, well, I started a little bit, uh, I guess it would have been like in January 2019. So I was a bit of a late adopter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I really liked it. But then when the collarbone broke, um, all you can really do is ride swift for a while. So uh-huh. um, that's when I really got into it. And uh, yeah, I'm hooked now. So any favorite rides or any favorite groups that you like to hang out with and sweat? Uh, I mean, it's all pretty good. That's the beauty of it. I mean, uh, my brother's on there too, so that's probably the favorite uh, favorite riding buddy whenever I see him there. Um, Younger brother he, or older brother? Uh, he's a couple of years older than me. Is he? And he's on the... Uh, he's on the dad with little kids plan, so you can either get him like really, really, really early in the morning or really, really late at night. Uh-huh. Never in between. So... Yeah, but that's cool, but... Uh, but I just like the way, like, um, you can kind of shut your brain off in a way. I found, like, for me with my running, I just kind of run. I don't worry about, you know, the the pace or my watch too much. I just kind of get in a groove and, and go. And sometimes I found that uh, out on the bike, I just overthink things. And you'd be thinking about your numbers or, or this or that. And then I find when you get in Zwift, you just kind of get in these group rides and you just kind of have fun and you kind of let the numbers fall where they fall. And, yeah. And then at the end of the day, you look back and you're like, wow, that was a really good workout. So. Yeah. Now, one of the things I noticed, you've got you've done some fairly substantial rides, like three and four hours in the saddle, right? Yeah, actually, lately I've gotten into that. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my questions is because, I mean, this is indoors and, you know, you must have some massive cooling fans. But tell tell us how, you know, you can sit on the trainer for such long periods of time and not have to change your shirts and shorts because you get so drenched with sweat. Oh, yeah. I've got one of those, like, industrial fans that okay. you get uh, from Canadian Tire. And it's pretty big and it's kind of set up um just at an angle and it seems to it seems to keep the sweat off me i probably should check the stuff that's behind me but um, <laughs> you're not starting to rust or something but yeah. uh but yeah but i notice it more like when i'm on the bike in terms of the, the, the sweat and what like you're definitely sweating but um but i find it's not like you're just ripping onto your stem yeah. eroding your bike like back in the day or 
or uh, getting uncomfortable. But as soon as like, if I have to get off to fill up a water bottle or something, yeah, which I try not to, but right. if I do that, then all of a sudden you notice the sweat just start pour. Mm-hmm. So. so what sorts of things are you uh, drinking uh, on uh, your Zwift training sessions? Do you have any uh, secret potions you want to share? Oh, no. I mean, it's usually just water or Gatorade. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the beauty of Zwift and, and riding indoors is you can just have whatever you want. And my brother built me this really cool uh, stand to put, like I got my computer on there in front mm-hmm. of the bike. And it's got like, it's like the perfect, perfect height. And it's got this like kind of rustic steel piping. And so I'm able to like line up all the bottles on there and, yeah. um, and just kind of go, right? Because if you're in a group ride, even if you were to like drop a bottle on yeah. Zwift, you have no time to pick it up off the ground. Like you're you're done <laughs> or, or you have to put in some crazy surge that's going to come back to haunt you yeah putting out 500 watts for that 30 seconds while you're searching for the water it's uh you know and then you want to do well at the sprint at the end and you've already spent those watts so there you go <laughs> yeah. yeah so um have you cycled outside yet this year yeah <laughs> uh, I've, I've been outside on the road by once on uh, monday oh uh, my girlfriend yeah, my girlfriend and I, we, uh, we went and rode the bare bones to Athlon course. So How was that for uh, you? It was good. Yeah, it was fun. It was, um, it was probably like maybe I was a little bit nervous just, uh, you know, given that I would crashed last year. And I wow. did ride a bit after the first surgery, but I hadn't ridden since the second one. So it had been since when I guess that was early August. I hadn't ridden outside on a road bike. I'd done a couple or a few kind of easy like mm-hmm. mountain bike but uh, like KVR kind of stuff again, or just, just yeah. on the road. But this is the first time back on a road bike, and, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit nervous. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a good step to kind of like remember like that riding outside is fun. So yeah. A different kind of climate inside, but yeah. yeah. Taking those, I mean, you, you did McLean Creek Road, I take it? Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah, kind of the McLean Creek Road, and then get to the bottom of the hill, turn around and come back. And, uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got yeah. some, some reasonably gnarly descents there. So uh, a bit of a challenge for your confidence uh, first time back. Oh, absolutely. That that pavement going down with Lane Creek is not in the best state. So, it, it, it is not uh, confidence inspiring at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. So, I'm a much better descender on Zwift, I think. <laughs> So what are uh, some of the other fun workouts you're doing nowadays? I guess you haven't followed Ashley Wiles into uh, Lake Okanagan, or or have you? I haven't been in the lake yet, so mm-hmm. but pretty soon. I mean, I'm going to uh, – I'm thinking maybe on Sunday I might go down for a big run in uh, uh, Oliver and then jump in the lake afterwards and try. Because Tuckle knew it can be a bit warmer, so we'll see. We'll see. I don't think um, – I guess it all depends. It's pretty good toughness training when it's really cold, but uh, I find for swimming, I need to be at that point where if I'm only thinking I am so cold right now, I'm so cold, then the swimming I don't think is very good. Like I think you just, I'm so tense, so I got to uh-huh. find that night. But then when you think about, I think it's about, uh, Johnny was saying it's about 13 and a half degrees is what he claimed. He showed me a picture of his thermometer. Uh-huh. That instead, 13 and a half in Skaha Lake right now. Yeah. But yeah, I told him it doesn't work like a pregnancy test. You don't <laughs> pee on it. But yeah, so it's getting to that point. I think like if that's in a race, we'd still be swimming. So yeah, yeah any day true. now, it's going to be pretty good. 
Yeah, so maybe hit it. I was I was actually in the lake there in Oliver on Saturday. I lasted 20 minutes, but boy, you know, uh, late to rise. I was there at noon, and of course, you get that wind, and it was slapping me around. And, you know, I was just trying to, to take baby steps into the lake, and it was just pummeling me. So I said, to hell with it, head in, and <laughs> off I went. But, uh, you know, it was chilly, and but it wasn't, wasn't super cold. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a fairly mild week in the Okanagan, so who knows? What other fun stuff are you doing to keep active nowadays? Because these are, like I say, strange, strange times indeed. Yeah, I guess the most part is uh, <clears throat> is putting that extra focus on your bike and then your running. And so, so yeah, just a lot of a lot of cycling and then getting some good quality runs in as well. And then we are doing a bit of dry land stuff as well, three times a week. And that's just a little bit of the stretch cords. Not it's not like an hour stretch course. Just a little bit to keep that strength and yeah. and some other stuff to keep you know, kind of that strength and, uh, and conditioning so that it will hopefully transfer over or at least just mentally make me feel good. So. Yeah, get that range of motion, a little bit of strength in the upper body because, I mean, cycling's not going to do that for you, nor is running. So a little bit of time in the gym and the stretch cords. When when you do make that uh, hydro debut, you'll be uh, one step closer to, to a successful first swim. Yeah, absolutely. And especially for me... Um, Coming back from the collarbone, even, you know, I probably had three or four months of swimming under me, but I could still feel like I just wasn't getting as good of a catch or as good of a pull on that side. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just kind of a subconscious, like I could still swim and and mentally put in as much as I wanted, but you could just notice it when you're going hard that that left arm just wanted to slip a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. and a lot of the physio exercises that I that I have were similar to what we've been doing on the dry land. Mm-hmm. It's just you're kind of doing a little bit more kind of volume of of those exercises because you're not swimming. Right. So I think in a good in a way this might be helpful for my uh, for my recovery. So. Earlier you were saying that there might be uh, you know some parallels between being a professional triathlete and practicing social isolation during this crisis thing. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that for us, Jeff? Uh, yeah, totally. It's, uh, I mean, it's very similar uh, in some ways from when I was, I guess as they say, just training. You're never just training. You're always doing lots of stuff. But, um, but yeah, you're just, uh, you just kind of, I guess it depends on where we're at, whether or not you've been laid off or whether you're still working. But um, but you have kind of as a professional, you have plenty of time, which is the plus. Right. And um, and you kind of put everything into your into your training. You're you're not going out, you know, partying You're staying away from those big social gatherings, just kind of laying low, keeping your energy. And you're always kind of worried about other people getting you sick because you're kind of pushing that limit where your immune system is always a little bit more run down than, than you would like. Mm-hmm. And, and you always kind of, you never really know if you're going to get paid or not. So yeah, uh, cause you just don't, you don't know how the next race is going to go or what's going to happen. So um, there's a definite kind of just a, an anxiety around that for sure. And yeah. it's very similar. I find to this current situation where we just don't know what's going to happen and we're just kind of spending a lot of time, Netflix thing. (laughs) So tell us, you know, without, uh, you know, looking at this uh, glass as half empty or without crying over spilled milk, milk, rather, what were some of the bigger races you were going to be doing this season? 
Uh, I'd hope to do Ironman St. George. Yeah. would have been coming up in a couple of weeks. And then uh, I was hoping to do Coeur d'Alene 70.3 for sure. So kind of I want to do the full next year that's there around the same time. So I thought the half would be kind of a good way to check that out. And then uh, Ironman Canada at the end of August. And then hopefully Kona if it all went well. So. But Penticton was the one I was most excited about. Oh, sure. absolutely. I mean, we've been, you know, drumming up the support on the Slow Twitch page and, you know, on the Facebook pages, you know, to anybody who would listen. And after getting that overwhelming response, you know, welping, uh, rather welcoming back the Iron Man to Penticton where it should have been, you know, and having that race sell out in a record amount of time and, you know, all the, the buzz, all the hypes, uh, you know, associated with it and, you know, you being of course the local guy you you, you know there was a lot of uh, a lot of excitement going into that right yeah definitely and and like i guess excitement i'm excited yeah uh, but i'm excited mainly because there were so many other people that i knew that were excited yeah you know there's so many people in town that were uh that were getting ready for it and just kind of that that feeling like you're all in this journey together was pretty cool yeah. and also just seeing like uh these people that had inspired me to kind of get in the sport or to get more involved in the sport and seeing some of them that have stepped away from triathlon and then now all of a sudden they're coming back and uh you know jumping back in for Ironman it was uh it was, it's pretty cool I, I say it was because we're kind of in that weird limbo but yeah I'm gonna go back saying it is pretty cool and uh in hopes that it's still gonna happen Yes. Um, and But you also have to take into account, you know, if you were looking around, you know, it's it's going to be a big if. Now, as a professional triathlete, uh, you've got substantially more skin in the game than, you know, uh, an average uh, age group or however passionate that we may be. So, you know, from a from a psychological perspective, Jeff, how are you handling all this uncertainty? What keeps you motivated? Uh, I guess that's one thing that's the beauty of, you know, having a tough year last year where I feel like you kind of had to face a lot of those questions last year where you're like, when it's, you know, it doesn't look like you're going to get to race or you might come back, but you might not be able to have a good race. And you just kind of find the love of the sport. You just kind of find that, like, you know, getting in, in that process and, and, um, I don't know, just kind of taking yourself away from like, you know, even the event and the result and just be like, you know, if there wasn't anything, would you still get out and just crush it? Yeah. And I probably would. So, um, but also just having that confidence and knowing that, you know, it might not happen this year, but at some time it's going to happen and you're going to learn lessons from all that and that you might learn stuff and become a better athlete Mm -hmm. and then do better at the race when it comes, if it's this year, or you might do better next year, or you might just learn some lessons that you can apply to other areas of your life. Absolutely. So so there's always things and and benefits to, uh, to going hard. And, and also, uh, it's kind of cool that like we were talking about the community aspect of it before, right. Where like, you know, like what you do, what you do and by pursuing your, I guess your dreams and, and going at things at the highest level and, and that hard work, it's, uh, it inspires others to kind of do the same. And it's a bit of a contagious thing where, and so, and inspiration is always a two way street. So I kind of, I guess I feel inspired knowing that I'm helping to inspire other people. So, and, and so like in particular, all the kids that I coach, uh, 
uh, in the swim club here. Yeah. Like we've got them all on Strava now. Oh, really? So now they can see what I'm doing. So now I'm like, okay, I got to. I gotta make sure I'm doing my workout so yeah. they don't think I'm a slacker, right? Because <laughs> I did. They, one girl thinks I'm a slacker for sure because I was joking about how I was playing video games. <laughs> Tired from playing video games, and by video games I meant Swift. But oh, I don't think okay. She, she don't think that, but but she got it in her mind that I'm a slacker, so now I feel like I have to set a good example for them so that they they work hard yeah so since becoming a coach you are you know uh whether you want to be or not uh you are a role model and these you know up and coming athletes are looking to you as uh as the guy you know the the person right uh, uh, sometimes they do I, mean, <laughs> I don't know i think i think uh they don't necessarily look at you as the guy i mean they just I think more than anything, they just look at you as a person that shows up and and uh, is there for them and, and helps them get to where they want to go. Oh, so I think that's as, you're, you're that's a as humble guy. As, uh, I think that's more important than you know anything that I've done athletically. It's just that you know that you're kind of all in to help them out. So, um, but I feel for them, right? Like, and that's one of the things that, in a way, it makes me you know maybe not feel sorry for myself and not dwell on on the bad stuff about this, where I'm kind of like. In, in some ways, I'm like, there's no races, I can't mm. swim, you know, and it's kind of like, you could kind of go down that road, but then you think about them and like, they just swim and they can't do that, right? Yeah. Like the pools are closed. Um, hopefully it's warming up here and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to convince them to get out in the open water. I think they'll be good at that, but like, um, but yeah, it's a lot worse for them. And some of them had some, you know, a bunch of them are qualified for Olympic trials, oh, the, gee. you know, Western Canadian champs and they had... You know, a lot of big goals and, and they put a lot of hard work into it. And so um, to see that kind of, you know, not not be able to kind of keep that rolling forward as much as they'd like is, yeah, it definitely makes me feel like like I'm in a way lucky that I can keep running and biking. And That, that, that is one of the benefits of being, you know, a, a triathlete. I mean, if something isn't working, we can always switch sports and there's always, you know, there's always something to learn. There's always a, a, a way, you know, even if we're laid up in a hospital bed, which you've been, there's, there's ways to, you know, improve your mental game, right? Uh, so it's, uh, it's kind of neat that way. And, you know, any sport, if you pursue it in a serious way, um, you don't necessarily have to be in the environment to be, um, you know, benefiting from it, you know, simply uh, surrounding yourself with uh, other people, other like-minded people, that's going to up your game and, you know, learn the sorts of things that they've learned and share ideas, kind of what we're doing tonight, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you, yeah, you nailed it. So one of the last things uh, I want to talk to you about, Jeff, uh, it's not much of a question, it's more of an opportunity. So uh, we have a lot of people who are still, you know, interested and hyped about doing the Ironman in Penticton. So um, what would, you know, say we've got a lot of people coming into town. Let's let's assume it's a go. Let's look at this as, you know, um, what two suggestions would you give somebody who's never done Ironman Canada, but they're coming to do it uh, this year? Well, I mean, the first suggestion would be come, come check out the course, right? Like spending a weekend in Penticton, uh, being able to ride the course, uh, see what the Richter Pass is like. Kind of have that experience of maybe going a little bit too hard up Richter, too hard on the rollers, <laughs> and then blowing up on Yellow Lake and kind of having a healthy fear of Yellow Lake. Yeah. Um, I think more than anything, that's uh, like to try and get up here 
to check it all out um, is what I, I would totally recommend. And it's one of those things that I think people come to check out the course and they kind of fall in love with the city and uh, and have a great time here. So um, that would be the number one okay. that I would say. Um, and then the second thing, I guess, you know, if, if you can't get up here or even if you can, I mean, uh, just kind of enjoy the day, right? Like, it, you know, it sounds so cliche, but, you know, it's, uh, you enjoy the day because it's, it's kind of about the journey more so than even the day. Yeah. And uh, I always find my best races happen when I'm kind of like at the start line and you're kind of like, yeah, like it's been a good journey. Like, um, and you kind of like have that, that feeling like no matter what happens here today, like this journey is going to be a success. Even when I find when I'm in a good place like that, you're able to just kind of kind of hone in that kind of peak performance state and just kind of do what you do. So I think, and I think that kind of this is a good test for that of of like testing that love of the sport yeah. and that resolve. And mm-hmm. and I think with triathlon, like it's very easy to be like, you know, we've got we've always got these goals, and the goals can be super measurable, and there's always another goal to be chasing. But like the I guess the 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 goal or achieving that goal or the race, it can never it's never gonna like make the journey worthwhile in a way, right? Like, um, and I know whenever I've been in that mindset of like, oh, this is terrible, but I'll just grit it out because uh-huh. the race is gonna be good, and then that's gonna make up for you know. It, it never seems to work that way. It just mm. you kind of gotta love the sport and you gotta love the lifestyle to kind of keep it rolling. And and uh, so yeah, so make sure you're loving mm-hmm. the journey. And you're loving it so much that, you know, the racing is just just a good celebration. Last question for you, Jeff. What will you be doing on Sunday, August 30th? <laughs> I'll be out there in some capacity, yeah. so for sure. I mean, hopefully we'll be doing an Ironman, um, you know, the real deal with all the hype. Uh, but if not, I mean, we were out there, you know, a couple of years ago. There was no race, and we, I was out there swimming, and you did you know, a whole lot more than that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I'll be out there for sure. And, and I'd love to say like, I'll probably as a, as a professional, I mean, um, I don't know, unless everything gets canceled, I don't know if I'll be able to do a full marathon, but, um, but you know, definitely the swim and the bike and, and, uh, yeah, I'd love to say I'd be handing out water bottles and high fives, but we'll <laughs> see where we're at. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see where we're at with social distancing, but, but yeah, no, and I, my girlfriend, she signed up. Her mom signed up. Wow. So, um, so yeah, and, and it's almost like um, you're saying, I guess, in some ways, as a professional, you have more invested into, I guess, into the sport. But in some ways, you have less invested into a single competition. Mm, okay. um, it's a lot easier for me to kind of be like, okay, well, you know, like, like I'm all in on this. So it's like yeah. if it doesn't work out with Canada, right? You know, could be another Ironman. You know, say you know, later in the fall yeah. or like if I don't get to do, if it doesn't happen this year, like I'm going to be back doing it next year. Right. I'm be back having to go, you know, it's other people like say my girlfriend, that's, um, she's a teacher and then she's going to do, uh, do her master's in counseling next year. So it's going to be a lot harder for her to kind of fit all the training in next year, as opposed to this year's when I had it all planned out. And I know, um, there's a lot of people that are just, you know, it's a bigger hit for them because they've made, you know, big sacrifices in their life or they've set things up and, and they're kind of on a tighter time crunch. And, and uh, so, yeah, so in some ways, yeah. maybe I'm more invested, but I don't feel like it doesn't, 
you know, every, everyone's in a tough situation together. And I yeah. think, um, I think the best we can do is stay positive, share our stories of how we're getting on and, mm-hmm. and, and admitting that it's tough, right? Like yeah. I mean, we were talking earlier and, and then no, you're saying like you've kept your FTP. It's been about the same for a couple months and, and, and that's pretty good. I mean, um, you know, I know a lot of people have been struggling just kind of finding meaning to their training or even just, I know for me, I've had a few nights where, I feel good going to bed and during the day, but all of a sudden you just wake up in the middle of the night. I'm anxious and oh, uh, yeah. so sleep isn't as good or it's just kind of been, you know, some days are kind of like that. I think that's normal. Yeah. It's a, of it's normal, a but it, Yeah. It's a roller coaster of emotions for us all. Right. Yeah. And uh, you kind of just got to, I don't know. I feel better when I work out, so I'm going to keep doing it. And, yeah, I mean, and, it's it's such a healthy pursuit anyway. And, you know, uh, I think for crazy people, you know, you'd be doing what you're doing, you know, whether there was racing or sanctioned racing or not. I mean, it's just that, that drive, that uh, intrinsic motivation to do crazy things, swim, bike, run, whatever it may happen to be. And, you know, the fact that... Uh, you know, you're fortunate enough to, to have, you know, all the, the gifts that have been given to you. And that, of course, includes a, a hell of a training ethic and, you know, great people skills as a as a great ambassador for the sport. So to be able to, you know, associate yourself with with something that's a total joy for you is uh, is a pretty cool thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when you talk about gifts, just, you know, having grown up in Penticton, right, and just yeah. had so many great people around me, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, uh, it does kind of feel like I'm I'm part of a legacy where I've had all these great, you know, role models and people around me and it's kind of my duty to, you know, kind of keep working my working hard, I was going to say work my butt off and <laughs> and just get ready to not get ready but just work hard and pass that down to uh to the next, you know, up and comer because I'm pretty sure there's uh well there's definitely kids in in the swim group that can crush me uh in the water and you know hopefully they'll be crushing anything I do out on the race course so thank you so much for your time Jeff uh you've been so generous with uh answering all the questions we've had about training and insights about into uh slack Alice's and the whole Penticton nightclub scene of those uh CD 1980s and early 1990s so uh we're wishing you the best of uh health and motivation uh and uh best wishes to you and your girlfriend and your family oh likewise and uh yeah hopefully we'll see uh see up here and be able to give you a high five soon right and uh we'll get back to you know to having some group runs or something right as opposed to just kind of being being by ourselves so and on the zoom fitspeak line with us tonight from abbotsford it's zach newfeld and we're talking about favorite places to get some exercise in whether that's by yourself or when things finally return to some sort of uh, semblance of normality with another person or even with a group of people so zach uh, you were tasked with the duty three favorite places so did you choose swimming running or biking i picked biking for today okay so we're talking about zach's favorite three places to do biking so uh Let's get us started with uh, your number three spot. From Mission to Harrison, I think. That's taking the uh, Highway 7? Referred to it as the Low Heat Highway. Yeah, that's right. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, the way I've done it, I actually started from Abbotsford. You can start in Mission as well. Um, and take the Low Heat Highway, or number seven, like you called it, all the way out to Harrison Hot Springs, or Harrison Lake there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one of my favorite routes, gorgeous scenery. You want to pick a good day. It's a pretty long ride to do in the rain, obviously. <laughs> I've done it several times in the rain. <laughs> so it can be done, but if it's cold, watch out for hypothermia. I've had that happen before where I've been biking and popped a tire and was unable to fix it. So I had to fumble with my phone. Luckily, my fingers worked enough to actually get some uh, to phone somebody to come pick me up. But uh, so anyway, that's a word of caution. But it's a gorgeous route. It takes you through... Um, North, it takes you north of the Fraser River, which is absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous scenery. Some stops along the way. You got some convenience stores. There's a gas station. I forget where it is, but it's about halfway between Mission and Harrison Hot Springs, where you can refill on water. Yeah, so there's a nice. there's a lot of neat new places along that stretch of road. There's uh, just outside of Mission now on the Highway Seven as you go to. Uh, Harrison Hot Springs. There's a brand new Tim Hortons. So if you need to, you know, water up or coffee up or grab a donut or a bagel or a muffin, it's it's right there on the road. And then, like you were saying, Zach, it's uh it's not like you're stuck in the wilderness if you run out of water or something. If it's a hot day, you're uh, you're pretty much in luck uh, all the way down to Harrison Hot Springs. Um, a little over halfway to the Harrison Hot Springs from Mission, there's uh, I forget I don't know what it's called, but it's it's where the Harrison Lake, where Harrison Lake uh, runs into the Fraser River, there's a gorgeous bridge there. Absolutely beautiful, taking quite a few photos. And then there's a large hill, takes you up and then down into, um, I guess I'd call it the Harrison Valley. They're up by Ag, up by Agassiz, I guess. Yes. Yeah, just outside of Agassiz. So you go up it. And the nice thing is when you're traveling from Mission to Harrison, of course, you're going from west to east. That hill is kind of a, a nice gradual climb. I mean, it's it's a bit stiff, but um, on the way back, you certainly pay for it because that's some of the toughest climbing we have here in the Fraser Valley is that one hill. And thankfully, what's what's been happening is they went last year and they repaved that section because it was uh, a little bit dicey on the side, especially coming back from, from Harrison back into Mission. That shoulder was a little bit, um, I guess I would say, pockmarked, but they've repaved it all. So as long as you stay reasonably well to the right-hand side, it's double-laned on both going down the hill, um, you should be safe. So that's one of my favorite routes. I uh, didn't make my top one or, or two spots, but uh, I've only done it once, I think. So that's one I've got to do again, I think. Number two would probably be, it's in Mission again. It's the sports park. You can correct me on this. I, I call it sports park. And you start in Mission or in the backside of Mission, and there's a little loop you can do. We'll have to post a link or something to a, a route on Strava or something like this after the after the talk but it's a great little loop that you can do several times um, and you can gain some pretty good speed coming down one of the hills I remember doing that one with you Kevin a little while ago yeah the old sports uh, and that was back when we were both training for our very first Ironman in Whistler and I think that was what in 2016 was that? Something. I believe so. Yeah, yes. I think it was 2016. And the thing about the sports park, and that was actually a course that the uh, Phoenix Velo Cycling Club put together. They had a road race on that course. Um, it was so vicious that it only lasted one year. But what makes that course special, uh, not only 
uh, is there very little traffic on that course, which is a wonderful thing, but you're always forced to ride your bike and think. This isn't a course where you can kind of just zone out, get in the aero bars and grind. This is, uh, you have to be 100% on your game. You're either going up some very substantial climbs or you're, um, you're hanging on for life, being super alert and doing your best bike handling skills because there's some pretty gnarly descents. But uh, I don't know if we're on a roll, but uh, once again, you're in luck uh, with that one, Zach, because a lot of that course has been recently repaved as well. Um, and then number one, uh, a route that I've done quite a few times is between Abbot from Abbotsford down Zero Avenue out towards White Rock. So that's a, that's a two-way, it's an out and back bike ride for me anyway. That one has a little bit more traffic. It's straight. Um, there aren't, I was going to say there aren't many hills, but there are some hills halfway through. So uh, it depends where you are in your training. Those could hit you a little harder or maybe not. Scenically, it's it's not as nice until, of course, you get to White Rock itself, which is probably why it tops the list for me is because of the destination. So coming down the hill and nearing White Rock, um, south, south of Surrey there, you get quite a bit of speed, which can be quite a bit of fun. Not a lot for support, uh, like as far as stores and stuff like that where you can refuel or get some hydration or something like that but definitely a good destination you can stop in white rock uh walk down the pier take a little dip if you feel like it i i haven't yet on a bike ride but uh -huh. i have stopped and got some fish and chips there which oh, is really really great incentive <laughs> yeah well you know on a ride like that that's about 50 kilometers from abbotsford or so right yeah around that i think i attracted this about 80 there and back. There and back. And of course, Abbotsford's a p pretty huge, uh, huge town. So depending on where you start in Abbotsford, yeah, it can be a, a little bit longer or a little bit shorter. But yeah, why not reward yourself at the halfway point with some fish and chips or gelato or whatever it is from one of the one of the stores there in uh, White Rock overlooking the ocean. So that's that's my favorite route. I've done it. Like I said, I've done it quite a few times with uh, different people and by myself. Um, it's a bit of an icon for me. I don't know if it's all that popular in the scene around here. Um, it's easy enough to do. Parking is, you can just park along the road somewhere there on Zero Avenue, or you can park, it's closed now, but you can park at Albert Dick Lake, which by the way is another great place to do some training if you want to do your own little triathlon. Yeah, it's got everything there. I, you know, that's one of the places I haven't thought about swimming yet this year, but uh, I bet you, you know, being a smaller body of water, it would be ready to go for swimming as well. It's it's a great place to swim. I've swam there quite a bit. Later on in the season, it does get a little bit, a little bit dirtier. So if you hit the water early in the year, just at the right time, it's a great place to swim. I think the Abbotsford, the Friday Night Tri Club, mm -hmm. uh, used to meet there quite a bit. And... Uh, I used to go there with my girlfriend uh, at the time, and we would swim in the mornings as the sun was rising. So oh. that was always bring back some fond memories. Yeah, so it's a great place to do some swimming earlier in the season before the the lake, uh, I guess, ripens up for lack of a better word. And then, of course, there's that trail. Uh, 
great trail. One of the neat things about the trail around Albert, uh, Albert Dick Park is it's it's not, you know, pancake flat. You're going up, you're going down, you've got a few trees, you've got a little bit of shade on one side, the other side is totally exposed. So later on in the day, if you need to do some heat training, it's a, it's a pretty good place. And then if you want to launch into a bike ride after that or make it a brick session, you know, everything is right there for you. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Zach. So just to recap, number three is a mission to Harrison Hot Springs. And number two, uh, sports park and mission. And the number one ride, according to Zach Newfeld, Abbotsford to White Rock. Thanks so much for your time, Zach. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycling Mission. Your Wenting's Word of the Week is wattage. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is wattage. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport, reminding you to keep your social distance. Call your mom along with the people closest to you and to keep up with that 30 minutes of activity every day. I'd like to thank my co-host Zach Newfeld and also like to thank Penticton's Jeff Simons and wish him the best in whatever happens in our 2020 season. Join us next time on FitSpeak as we'll have ATC head coach Mikey Ross back for another top five list as well as Dr. Elise. She'll be looking at the psychological aspects of racing and training on another edition of Between the Ears. For all of us at FitSpeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening. <laughs>